guys, welcome to West Underground, the biggest and baddest podcast in the West. Today we have none other than Cy Home joining us on the couch. Thank you for having me. Oh, no worries, too easy. <laughs> <laughs> having a chat about his musical journey, what he's done, where he's been, and where he's going. Mm. So let's take it back to the start and tell us what made you interested in music to begin with. Um, well, my dad always had you know, like CDs playing in the car of like you know, Metallica, Guns N' Roses. Van Halen was a big one. Yeah. And um, he just, I think it was just one one day and um, it was a Triple M commercial with Slash on it. Yeah. And I was like, oh, who's that? And my dad's like, oh, that's Slash. And I'm like, oh, he's cool. Yeah. And he plays guitar. I'm like, oh, shit. Need to get on it. And then it just went from there. Really. I just watched a lot of videos and taught myself like just by watching. Yeah. Um, but. So how old were you roughly when Slash? Thirteen, fourteen, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was a lot of there was a it was a steep learning curve because I kind of I learned the wrong way, like yeah, technique yeah. wise and stuff. Because he doesn't have good technique, but um, yeah, probably at fourteen, I think. Yeah. Around there. And then you started learning all the Guns N' Roses songs. And yeah, I, I went through like a three year phase of just like playing every album up up and down. Just, yeah, yeah. Just, just for hours and hours and hours and piss off the neighbors of my parents and myself, but you know, it's it was it was good. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, well, it's definitely a good one. I think I think when you start as we were having conversation, guys, before we started rolling today, and we we're having a conversation about you know 14, 15 being kind of the, the pivotal age mm. when you, when when music really takes yeah. a hold on your life, and um, and I think that I think if you start playing music at 14, 15 years old, then yeah. You, you get in at the right time. It's a sweet spot because yeah, like, absolutely. Yeah, because you have that you have that drive yeah. if you want something, but it's also like a rebellious thing. Because mm. like my parents were like, you gotta study, man. Like you gotta you gotta yeah, be yeah, a doctor yeah. or some shit. And then I'm like, nah. So it, that that was an extra motivation to be like, no, I don't want to do that. Yeah. And I'm gonna I'm just gonna play music until until like one a.m. every night. So Would you plug into an amp when you yeah, do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had like a music room in my house and it's pretty loud to be honest. So the neighbors hate you? Everyone just hated me. Like, <laughs> my mum was like, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah. Like, you're not even good, you know what I mean? But I don't know. Like, I, I've, I've convinced her recently that like, music getting better. It's not just Slash anymore. But, yeah, it took a while. Oh, well that's good to hear. Um, so then, how did you go from going through a kind of a rock phase, going through you know bands like Guns N' Roses, Metallica, Van Halen, so to speak, mm. and then going into the you know the style of music you currently play? I felt I felt like really disassociated with it. Yeah. I don't know, like just because a lot of Guns N' Roses stuff, you know, you you like up the top with the guitar, mm. and then you just play in like like the box, like the yeah. playing box, and I was like, why is that? You know, why can't I expand? And I felt like even with like distortion with guitar stuff, guitar stuff. But like you can really mask up your mistakes with it. Yeah. And I got to a point it took a while because I was I was like that till I was like eighteen, like till yeah, high yeah. school. I was like listening to that kind of stuff. And then I was like, Well, that's not good enough for me. And I'm yeah. I'm like with music I'm really harsh on myself. I'm like, no, that's not good enough. And I'm like, why am I excusing myself? by like covering up my mistakes with all this like noise. Yeah. And I wanted something that was more articulate and clean and, you know, a bit more accessible. 
Because yeah. I feel like with rock music, I had to be in that mood to play. Mm. But lucky I was in that mood all the time. But yeah. growing up a bit more and, you know, going through life stuff, I was like, well, I don't really feel like it. Yeah. So I want to I want to play music that I feel like listen to all the time. Mm. And uh, that just completely changed. I, I don't even have a distortion pedal anymore. You know <laughs> what I mean? So it's just completely... Yeah. Completely changed, yeah. Well, I feel like I feel like rock music is a good void for like all your, I don't know, your adolescent uh, yeah. testosterone. Or yeah, it's like, like I hate, I hate life. You know? Yeah, you just kind of get that frustration out with the world. Yeah. But you know, in, in terms of style now, you're mm. certainly going a more kind of um, how do I phrase this? Um, like a bit of a musical exploration, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, but don't get me wrong. Like, if I'm driving down the M1. Yeah. Doing like 165, 110. <laughs> I'll be like, I want to listen to some metal and like yeah, start yeah. start circle start a circle pit in my car. You know what I mean? Like, there's still that in me. Like, I still yeah, love the yeah. sound of it, but I just don't feel like it's really got my flavor on it. If mm. that makes sense. Like, I don't see myself playing it, but yeah. I just I appreciate it for what it is. Yeah. So. When you when you when you were going through your rock phase, how did you kind of how did you kind of fizzle out? Did you start listening to like, you know, going back in time? Because I noticed, you know, from my personal experience, it was me kind of going, all right, who was who was Slash listening to, mm -hmm. and then kind of going back to, getting back to you know guys like Jimi Hendrix, yeah, and stuff, and then having that going, oh, okay, Jimi wasn't just a yeah, you know, distorted kind yeah, of yeah, buzzed yeah. out guy. There's also this other side to it, and then you kind of go down that road. Then John Mayer, yeah, and find John Frusante and yeah. guys like that that followed along in that tradition. Was yeah. that your journey a little bit there? I definitely traced it back. You know, Slash's big thing was you know Rolling Stones. Yeah, yeah. And like, well, not just Rolling Stones, but there, there's a song called Miss You, but like, dun, 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 dun. and that's so funky. You know, it's yeah, like yeah. so like driving down the street kind of thing. And I was like, well, this is this is so cool. Yeah. And then you go from the Stones and you go back to Hendrix. Yeah. And people, like, in my adolescent mindset, I'm still, I'm still young. But yeah. I'm not saying, like, oh, I'm, I'm like an old man. But, like, there was a side of me that was like, oh, Jimi Hendrix, he just distorts everything and, like, plays with his teeth. What's so good about it? Yeah. And that was my closed mind in this. I'll, I'll take that. But, you know, going back and looking at all the riffs he created and how many, like, because every top ten list, like Jimi Hendrix was always number one. Mm. I'm like, why is that? Yeah. And there was a sense of like, well, he's not even that good. But then you, you go back and you look at how many people he's influenced along the way and how big those people are now, like John Mayer. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, like Stevie Ray Vaughan even. Like how influential they've become because of Jimi Hendrix and how influential. It's like this big tree kind of feeling. And I was yeah, like, absolutely. fuck, man. Like, so, so much more rewarding for me yeah because i can just play slash licks until i'm 50 years old but that's not going to get me anywhere yeah. i just want to branch out more and you know i'm not saying like my influence is like really big but if i was ever to inspire people i'd want them to trace back you know what I mean? yeah so, absolutely. so how would you yourself uh sum up or describe your style if somebody asked you on the street hey what kind of music do you play mm -hmm. how would you how would you put it i actually got asked that last night so oh, i've been practicing for this but um, it's it's definitely a lot of synth pop, a lot of new wave, um, like disco, just funk. Um, I feel like if you start playing with a band, it's immediately like rock, but it's not. Yeah. It's like a pop band with like guitars. Usually pop bands like oh, 
I have a I have a synth player and a really like charismatic singer that's like the brand. Yeah. But it's not like that. It's more it's more instrumentation that's really really pleasant on the ears, yeah. in my opinion. Like people listening right now can be like, but um, you know, like um, big influences like John Mayer, the nineteen seventy five, like I said before, um, Harry Styles even. It's like really. That, and there's like a recurring thing with all those artists that the front man is really just a charismatic and influential yeah. presence on what they're doing and that's that's more that's really inspiring like even maybe yeah, even yeah, more yeah. so than the music itself sometimes and, yeah um that's what i've all that's all I've, I've been drawn to for the last couple of years so how did you go from being you know an adolescent playing guitar to then kind of going on the journey of singing um was that a natural progression it was it was unnatural in the way that it was natural yeah i really was a shy kid in high school i didn't want to i was like i couldn't make eye contact with anyone I was like yeah, that's yeah. and um i just wanted to be that guitar player that hit behind his guitar and just you know ex express myself through that but um we went through countless singers during high school because i wanted to be in a band yeah and it got to a point where we're like Fuck, i'm gonna have to do this myself yeah and that was like when i was what 15 16 16 17 or like around year 11 year 12. yeah yeah and um I, I won't lie the first performance i did in front of people was like about 400 people first time singing and it was shit like absolute shit like it was so bad that i i like curl up in my sleep even today thinking about it, i was like um, but, and a lot of people wrote me off yeah, yeah. instantly, like, you know, because you go to like a school concert, and like, kids' parents are talking shit about you, you know what I mean, like, that was, like, I hear it through people, but like, oh, this person's mum said that was really bad, I'm like, well, thanks for your support, you know, Yeah. and you kind of take that as an incentive, and yeah. to be like, well, fuck you. Well, there's two ways you can go about mm. it, isn't there? You can either curl up in the little ball and, mm. and do absolutely fuck all and give up, yeah. or you can go, oh my God, okay, that was shit, and I need to get better. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. You know, motivates you to do it. Yeah, and it I obviously won't, has. Yeah, and like, I won't lie, it took, it took a while for me to do that, you know, because yeah. I wanted to be like, because it was my first time singing. Yeah. And like, I'm not sure if you've ever sung before in front of like... No, I've, I've never... I've seen in the shower. I've yeah. seen in front of the guys in it's my band. It's got in the shower. Oh, too. absolutely. Yeah. It's the only time my voice sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> but like, you know, you, you kind of have your head down, you're kind of nervous. You're yeah, like, oh, yeah. Well, that, that seems like a, you know, in a, in a, in a nutshell, like a bad way to start singing, but has also been a good way for you to start singing. Yeah, I mean... Like a bit of baptism by fire. Yeah, there's, there was no initiation. Mm. There was no like preparation there was no like oh you're getting better it was like boom here you go do what you want and yeah. then um obviously didn't go to plan but the year after i played and then all these people that were like no nah, you're shit you're like yeah. you know that's really nice i'm like well thanks for your support yeah um and it's just been a natural thing since then and there was times where i was disassociated with playing guitar i was like i don't want to be a guitar player Ooh. Yeah, that's coming through. We've got the ice cream truck. I like. Yeah, we got the ice cream truck coming in the back, guys. If you're just tuning in now, Mr. Whippy's, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Whippy's coming. I remember running down the street with the, you know, the heart-shaped ice cream. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, was, that was the shit. I mean, yeah, oh. like two bucks. I remember. I, 
I remember when ice cream was, you know, exciting when Mr. Whippy would come and you'd mm. hear that noise yeah. and you'd want to run out of your house. Yeah. But now, I think kids don't do that these days. No. That's because the drivers are so whack. Yeah, exactly. They're just what so sort creepy. Of guy drives an ice cream yeah, truck like then? what kind of person you have to be to drive Ooh. those things? You know? It's like here, here, kids. It's like the stereotype, like yeah, free candy on a white van. You know? Oh, exactly. And even like now, like when you hear the ice cream music, I think just because of the association with it in horror movies and stuff like that, it just feels <laughs> creepy. Like surely they can get a better song than that to yeah. make people go ice right. cream. Wait, are we still live right now? <laughs> anyway, getting back, getting back to the music now since. Mr. Mr. Whippy as well. Um, so, so what uh, what uh, kind of directed you towards towards including synths in music? Um, it might have a relevance to Mr. Whippy actually. Just how bad it sounded. <laughs> like you know, like eighties eighties synth pop. Yeah. How like the synths are so shit. Yeah. But in the best way. Yeah. And I was like, oh, if I just added, like, if I was just playing guitar music, like, you know, two guitars, bass, drums, vocals, yeah. and I added, like, a really bad synth on it, like, it just sounds a bit more contemporary in a way that it's, just, like, a throwback, but it's, like, modern, yeah. you know, like, you, even you, you see now, like, The Weeknd or, like, yeah, Julie, yeah. but they're all going back to the 80s with, like, mm. that funk and disco and synthwave stuff, and the thing that I think really sells those kinds of those songs, that, yeah. uh, like the blinding light song, that dun, 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 dun. Yeah, yeah. that's not a good sounding synth, but but it sounds so good in the, like in the weirdest context, way, yeah. you know. And like even if I sampled Mr. Whippy, like that truck, that would just drove past. Like if I sampled that and put it under like a really clean sounding drum or something like that, it would sound really cool in my opinion. So that was because I, I li listened to like a lot of not a lot, but like electronic music because there's only so far a guitar can go yeah you know you know you have your typical rock band of you know bass drums guitar and there's there's only so much you can do yeah um so that's why even with our band now we've added a synth player who plays saxophone just for the variety and that's really why we started adding that kind of stuff in our song yeah well, I think I think once you start adding different instrumentation, you start to open lots of doors. Mm. Mm. Like like you know, even when we're talking about all these kind of you know the the quintessential rock bands, like all of, after a while, well, I think all those guys kind of get bored with where where they're kind of boxed in, and you you listen to David Bowie's progression yeah. throughout throughout his career, and you you like how did you end up here? Yeah. But I think it's just because you're just searching for different sounds, yeah. as you're saying, the guitar can only kind of go so go so far yeah. before before you need something else to kind yeah. of to, to break it up so in in your I don't know when you play live um, do you play any synth parts yourself or do you have do you have got do you have a little band that um, I'm not I'm pretty uncoordinated yeah <laughs> so like singing and playing guitars like hard enough for me yeah <laughs> so if I had a keyboard there which I'm not like I'm not really too familiar with and I start like trying I feel yeah. like I, put too much pressure on myself, so that's why we've got a synth player, but I'm really particular with the sounds that he plays, because he has like a Nord, yeah, so he can like yeah, kind yeah. of do whatever he wants, but um, yeah, I, I'm more of a, I think being disassociated with playing keys helps me list, be a better listener, Yeah. So because if I was just like a guitar player, I, I could, I would have like more of a, 
a structured mindset of what sounded good and what sounded bad. But like, if it was like, if because I don't play keys, I can hear something that he's playing and be like, I really like that. But sometimes his reaction is like, oh no. But I'm like, I really like it. Yeah, yeah. And it just creates a contrast to you know just being a really strict guitar player yeah. in terms of sound and like gear and whatnot. Yeah. Even with yourself as a guitar player, do you do you find your you know do you find yourself getting lost in the in the world of pedals and effects? The only way I justify it is I cannot have a pedal sitting there mm. that I don't use. Yeah. So if I spend copious amounts of like money on it, I'd be like, well, I have to use it now. Yeah. And and there's definitely an element of playing with the gear more than playing with the guitar. Oh, absolutely. And it's easy to get lost in that. But yeah. but it's an investment, I guess. You, you keep it there forever, and it's gonna it's gonna be a part of your career career yeah, yeah. for however long you need it to be. So uh, that's how I justify with that stuff. Oh, absolutely. I'm too scared to go down the pedal rabbit hole. Like I've got a, I've got a couple here and there, but they they're mainly like um, like drives or overdrives mm. and stuff like that because I'm too scared to buy the delay because then I then I buy the reverb and then then I feel like I'm gonna just throw out you know money left right and center. Yeah, that's where I remember. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, another another question that I wanted to ask, which, just because your tattoos are just so interesting, I just want to hear a little bit about it. Mm. Um, as I see a Pokemon around the corner. Yeah, it's could we get could we get some cameras on the tattoos? Is that possible? Oh no! Squeak, squeak. So I've got um, there there I've got a few here as well. Um, oh. Where do I start? Like some of them are the shits. Like where did you stuff? Like where uh, you this was my first one. one. This this one here it was like a box. And looking back now, I don't know why I got it. Yeah, yeah. We have to start somewhere. But um, this is the. Harry Styles tattoo, <laughs> not even a joke. Um, he played a show in Sydney, and he had like this tour intro before he came on, like mm. this visual, and it was like him in a Rubik's cube. So yeah. I just was like, I was in the, I was there in. Uh, he played in Brisbane, and I went to Sydney and Brisbane. And I went to Brisbane, and I just got the, that done there. You know, it's, does anybody else know that? Like, has anybody else seen that? And be like. No, that's the sad thing. I'm like, oh. come on, man. I thought you. I thought like I thought Harry Styles fans were, like diehard. Yeah, yeah. And then I show them this, and they're like, fuck's that? <laughs> you know. <laughs> but um, uh, there's some sentimental ones, obviously. Um, the, this one especially. Yeah. No, yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have a dragonfly one, cause um, friends passing. Yeah, yeah. So that that's, um, that's there. Uh, this butterfly one doesn't mean anything. Yeah, um, cool. You know, it's just kind of like the centerpiece of my arm, you know. Yeah, if yeah. I had muscles, yeah. it'll kind of go go like all, all wonky. Um, I've got a matching tattoo with a friend's ghost. The shits. Yeah. Um, I've got two Bring Me the Horizon tattoos. Have you? Bring yeah, Me the Horizon? Yeah, yeah. And Bring Me the Horizon was so influential in me, like, cause, with me, because um, they got flamed by fans because they kept progressing their sound. and. It was the same way with me in terms of like, how could you expect someone to be the same that they are 10 years ago? Like, I feel so, so different to me a year, like six months ago. Yeah. Like, you, you look back at a photo of yourself from like a while back, you're like, who is that guy? Mm -hmm. And how could you, like, my thing is, how could you expect someone to be the same? Like, just because, like, I understand like fans... They listen to a song and they attach themselves to the music and they feel like it's their own. Yeah, and yeah. then once the band tries to take that away from them, 
they feel like you know a bit a bit you know a bit shit about it but like the fact that they got flamed so hard but they kept going with it and they were like I don't I don't really care what you think because this is what we want to do that was the most that was really inspiring and so I've got like a there's a song called Throne which is literally about that and then I've got they put out a record last two years ago called Ammo yeah. they got that last year and then I've got um, three up here this one is bullshit then I got it this one's kind of bullshit but it kind of looks cool it does look cool um, I bled for four hours and they're like do you want a break I'm like yeah no just do it hurry up yeah, yeah. stop 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 asking me I'm fine and then um, I've got Lavender Chandelier which is one of my newer songs yeah, yeah. Um, so I got that there because I thought it that was alright. Well. Yeah, um, I'm glad they spelled it right. Because <laughs> um, we we've all heard the, heard those stories, but no regrets. Yeah, no, no regrets. <laughs> I should have got that instead. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's mainly what yeah. these things are. But do you reckon you fill it in? Do you reckon you fill it in as a whole? Yeah, yeah. I just like? it's just every time I've had I've been like every time I'm broke I'm like oh when I get money I'm gonna fill these in and I'm gonna fill my armor. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then as soon as I get money, I'm like, oh, pedals. Yeah. You know, so it's like, <laughs> you know. Well, don't rush to do it. Yeah. Because uh, I suppose over your life, it'll, be, it'll yeah. be your story. And they don't really, I don't know, I don't really think about them at all. Yeah. They're kind of just there now. And yeah. Especially during the winter, you know, you kind of wear long sleeves all the time. You don't even, like, realise that, that they're there, you know. Yeah. And then, oh, it's like, oh, I got that. Like, cool, <laughs> man. But... Yeah, they're just there. I don't. I don't put that much meaning on. Which one was the most painful one you got? Um, this one. So if you if we if we have a look on the camera here, um, these black bits. So this went for about three hours. And two of those hours was them, or that person, like scraping my skin, like blacking it out. That's why I have so much respect for people that have like blacked out arms oh. or like those kinds of things, because you just feel your skin going back. And, fall. and it's not just like a thin needle they like yeah, scrape yeah. it over and over and I was watching it the whole is it, is, it, is it painful the whole time or after a while it starts to become alright and you can just tolerate it at the start at the first the first five minutes you're like I don't think I'm going to make it I don't think I'm going to be able to sit here Yeah. and then it kind of numbs out but it's still like a throbbing like if you've ever had sunburn and you like scraped it it's like that the whole time Yeah. Um, but then it's done and it kind of you don't have to do it again so but then you just want more, and then you kind of forget about the pain, which is pretty stupid. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's that was probably the most painful. Or the one here, right in the middle. Oh, I, I thought that might be the most painful. Yeah, like yeah. it's got shading there, so they yeah, scrape yeah, the skin yeah. again. Why do I do this? <laughs> just, yeah. Other than more tattoos, what can we expect in the future from you? Um, I've got a few songs written. Just with COVID, you kind of get in a rabbit hole of writing a lot yeah and you kind of have to like push yourself away from it and be like is this even good yeah and there's been a lot of songs that i haven't made the cut you know like yeah i've been there was a time do you finish every song that you do no no i if i hear something that will make it last yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll keep working on it but if it's like a spur of the moment midnight you know yeah, half, yeah. like a minute long song and it's and i wake up the next morning listen to it i'm like well this is shit yeah. Then I won't bother, but um, oh, it's nice to have like as a reference to go back to. Yeah. Like oh, you know that's that was that wasn't that bad. Or, yeah. Um, but I've got a few songs that I really like actually, and um, yeah. So it's just a matter of like when to put them out. Yeah. Um, kind of like slowly 
introduce them to people. Because we, we played a show, what, four, like three weeks ago at Lazy Bones? Lazy Bones Lounge? Yeah, yeah. Um, and we played one of the new songs and people were like, oh, what's that song? You know, like, when are you going to put that out? So it's just a matter of like building hype, not just through social media. Yeah, absolutely. But it's kind of hard now because that's the only thing you kind of got. Yeah. Um, so it's just a matter of like strategic, strategically... Strategically planning st stress how. Uh, yeah, of how to put it out in the best way yeah. and getting the most people to like listen to it and that's that's probably the hardest bit for, for us now. You know? Yeah, absolutely. So when you're going back to writing songs, what's your process? Do you, do you come up with melody and then try to fit it around in like guitar parts? Um, like it's always different. Yeah. Sometimes I'll have like a cool name, like this Lavender Chandelier, I was like, oh, that'd be a cool name for a song. And then you just try to bait, you know, yeah. and write it around that. And I made this like instrumental and I yeah. sang over it. Um, I have a song called um, Artisan. It's like a guitar bit I had for two years. Yeah. I was like, oh, I'm never going to finish this song. And then I was like, I'm going to sit down and write it. And then it came about. Um, sometimes I write lyrics in my head and I'm like, oh, and it's like a real perfect match. Of, like you have this instrumental. You have these lyrics and they just fit together sometimes. Yeah. Um, it's always different. I've never, never tried to structure it because I feel like I'd limit myself too much if I did that. Yeah. Um, yeah, because if I had like this cool mel melody, I'd be like, no, 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 I have to make the music first. And then that, that moment's gone. So yeah. it's about capturing the moment when you have it because they don't come very often. Yeah. yeah. Do, you have a, do you have a phone full of like, I don't know, 10 second recording, 20 second recording? Yeah, I'm not, so no, like not going to play them. No. <laughs> it's, more, it's more like... Uh, 9am in the morning I think everybody who's a musician out there can relate a bit to that and mm. having like just endless amounts of like snippets of recordings mm. on their phones yeah or like three sentence lyrics yeah like. yeah do you ever go back and then turn one of those ideas into something and then like listen to I don't know a bunch of those recordings and kind of go oh. like, it's hard to listen to it's yeah. hard to listen to but there have been some times where I recorded like a guitar bit on my phone and like a year later, I just went through because I was like, I want to hate myself today. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, that's not bad. And yeah, then it came yeah, a song. Yeah. So there's been times like that. Yeah. It's weird when you talk to people because everybody seems to have a different kind of process for doing it. Mm. And it's, it, I always find it weird, the guys who write the lyrics first. Like, because I, 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 I find that bizarre. I'm like, mm. like I, I, for me, I can't get my head around. I can see how somebody's kind of got a melody idea mm. of where they want to go with it. And then you kind of put lyrics yeah, to that. Yeah. Doing it the other way around always seems like absolutely bizarre to me. Mm. I, I will say that when I write lyrics first, the lyrics are always more more important to me. Not in terms of like, oh, um, if I have a song that's an instrumental and it's like catchy or something. Yeah. And the lyrics will mean a little less. Um, but I had a song called what, Flowers in the Hair or something. And that was all lyrics first. Yeah. And they were like the most meaningful things I've written compared to you know a good beat or something and then I'll just like write a catchy melody over it so there there is a there is a reward for writing lyrics first but it just doesn't happen happen that often for me that's just how it is for me yeah nice and um have you got any gigs coming up next Saturday I'm not sure when this is going out well this is coming out this is coming out in, in the next week so September 12th um Frida's Chippendale. We're playing two sets because the venue's 
they need people to come, but they can't have over like 50 people in the one sitting. What time? Uh, there's two sets, 6 to 8, and then 8.30 to 10.30. We're playing at 7 and 9.30, but with two different support bands. So that'd be pretty cool. Hopefully people buy tickets. Hopefully they do. Hopefully. Hopefully. Mm. Well, I think people have been locked up for a while now. Yeah. That, you know, I think everybody's got a bit of an yeah. inkling to want to go outside. Because even with our Lazy Bones one, that sold out. Yeah. And we only had like two weeks to promote it. But people were just like so desperate to go somewhere. Mm. Which, um, which, which is kind of sad. I mean, like, you could come to want to watch me, but like, I, I understand. But there, there, I have a few people that will always come. Yeah. And I'm really appreciative of that. And then you've got people that were like, oh, you know, we'll, we'll start the night there and go off. Yeah. Kind of. Well, some of those people that, you know, might just be at the venue because of, you know, Lazy Bones is a cool place to hang out. Mm -hmm. out Lazy Bones. But, you know, then they might then they might see you and one more. Yeah, and they might, yeah. But, yeah. so, just putting yourself out there. Yeah. And yeah. just being, giving yourself as much opportunity as possible to be recognised. Yeah. That's, that's like, probably the biggest problem with COVID. Yeah. Because you can live stream a set for two hours, but no one's going to fucking watch it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. realistically, no one's going to sit there and be like, oh yeah, I'm going to sit here for two hours, watch my phone. I'm going to, I'm going to get a mess, I'm going to get a text from someone halfway through and be like, oh, you got a new dog or something, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. It's just not realistic. So, to sit, to have a gig and be lucky enough for people to come is something I always appreciate. Mm. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Well, I, I, I think the gigs where people are already at are better than the ones with the, the gigs where you're expected to bring people. Yeah. I think I think the gigs where you already have, you know, kind of an attentive audience waiting mm. or, you know, just people at a cool space is is a much better audience than the mm. one where you have to... Yeah. We've... I say we because we do it as a band. I do everything yeah, myself, yeah, yeah. but then we play as a band. Um, we've been doing that for t two, three years of trying to convince people. Yeah. And it's slowly, 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 slowly getting to a point where people will always, the, the people that will always come will come. Yeah. And because they want to be there. Yeah. And whether that, whether that's five, ten, fifty people, you just, you just have to take the time to be like, thank you. And not just like a thanks, thanks for coming, you know, oh, nice to see you. It's like, Thanks, man. Thanks yeah. for coming. And it's a really hum. It's a real humbling thing, no matter even if it's one person or fifty. Yeah. And it's good. I think, I think a lot of up and coming artists, me included, have just got to take the time to appreciate that. Oh, one hundred percent. And um, any, any, uh, any further words? Any, anything you would like to add before we start wrapping it up? Um. Gee. I think I've put you on the spot here. Yeah, I mean, come to my show. So this coming on Thursday, next or next week. Yeah, yeah. So if you see this, you have two days to get a ticket. Um, Fifteen dollars, but like, hopefully it's worth it for you. Um, we're playing hopefully in November as well. Yeah. At the Factory Theatre, but we're playing a, a small, small room, mm. but we're trying to get it upgraded to the main stage. Yeah. So, like with, with um, Reese last night. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, like they'll be playing. Um, so, if you are interested, please come along to that as well. Um, yeah. the, 
planning on putting out a few songs before the end of the year, so that's also something to keep. Well, that's exciting. Mm. Yeah. And uh, any any advice for musicians out there that are watching that are that are just kids at the moment that are that are want, want to start a career in music? What would you tell them? Um, what would you tell your younger self? What would I tell me? Oh, just turn the game down, man. Just turn the, the turn down. the distortion <laughs> off, bro. Um, Convert Defender earlier. That's what I've probably done. Just kidding. <laughs> Stop playing Gibsons. But um, probably just don't be so disheartened by one comment. Mm. Um, because like the more popularity you get, the more people that hate you. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying all oh, I'm so popular. You know, like mm. I look at me, I take a picture. But you know, there will be people that are out, that are out there like, oh, I don't really like this. Yeah. And. You can take that as, oh, like when I was younger and a bit more immature, I was like, oh, they don't like me. Mm. But it's more of a just like, you know, I go through my phone, I'm like, I don't like this song, it's the same thing. Yeah. And it's, you know, but once it's your own thing, you're like, oh, that really hurt. So it's just being, I think, a bit. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. being a bit more empathetic because like, you can kind of say something really snarky, really slide to someone about the music that they listen to. But then if you imagine that being your own song, you're like, even, even something like a song that comes on the radio, you can, you can say, oh, this is shit, but would you, like, you don't really know how much time has been put into that. Yeah. Yeah, so that's probably what I'd recommend. Yeah. Anyway, well, that, I think that's, I think that's, Really good advice, actually. Hey, I think hey, that's. Yeah, I think. I think out of you know, many people that we've had on the couch so far, I think that's some of the the wisest words we've heard. Oh, nah. <laughs> I'll take that. Thank you. Anyway, thank you for coming on today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no worries. Thank you. Thank you. Cannot wait to see this acoustic set. Oh, I'm so keen. Pressure's on. Oh, bro. Yeah.